The Cults. What is it called? The Cult Popcast. The Cult Popcast. I don't even think that that's what it's actually called. I'm, I'm, I refuse to believe it. We could just call it the Pop Culture Podcast again. Run back the vanilla. World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. The Pop Culture Podcast. In a world of Warcraft. One podcast. One podcast. <laughs> Is this the intro? Yeah. Scuffed. <laughs> hey! Do you know what day it is? It's Thursday. Wednesday? There's Wednesday. <laughs> the day's kind of this blur. This podcast is a place to find things you didn't know you were looking for. Kind of like Gabe. I didn't know I was looking for Gabe. He just showed up. I felt like something was missing my entire life, and then I saw you, and I just everything clicked. That's too soon. This is a podcast about pop culture, film, television, music, nostalgia, etc. And so much more. So much. It's going to be about so many things. But right now, for the first few episodes, we're going through and breaking down the best film nominations in preparation for the upcoming Academy Awards. Today, we are doing... 1917. Boom. We're really excited about this one. This was actually shot in 1917, and they waited over 100 years to release it in theaters. They had to recolor it. I could believe, you know, that Deacons is that old, so... Yeah, I think he, he was... He was there to shoot it. He was there. He was the one shooting the flares in that one scene. By hand. It was just him. It was very difficult work. All right, let's talk about 1917. To talk about 1917, we have to talk about the director, mm-hmm. Sam Mendes. Born in 1965, a good year as seen on Mad Men. Yeah. Uh, Huge background in stage directing. Uh, First feature was American Beauty in 1999. Won Best Director at the Oscars and Golden Globes for American Beauty. Uh, He directed other films such as Road to Perdition in 2002, Jarhead 2005, Revolutionary Road 2008. A lot of good movies. Yeah. Struck hot with James Bond and Skyfall and Spectre in 2012 and 2015. Some call it the most aesthetically pleasing Bond movie. Yeah. Well, they, both of them? Or which one? Skyfall. Skyfall. Specifically. I, I would I would agree with a lot of that. Mainly because Mr. Roger Deakins, which we can talk a little bit about, You're too. You're going to say Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Mainly because Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day in London town. Uh, he just directed 1917. He actually wrote that one as well. Did you know that? Yeah. Based... I don't think he's written his own movie before. But I think, according to that, that video we were looking at, he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do next. And I guess the producer that he works with often, I think her name is Kristen. Yeah. She's like, just write your own movie. Mm-hmm. And so he actually drew from his own grandfather's stories experience in World War One. Alfred Mendez was a, a soldier in World War One for... Mother England, mm. and I guess I don't know if he fulfilled the same role as the characters in this movie, but it was the inspiration for it apparently. Mm. So it's personal. It is very personal for the Queen. What else? What else do we know about Sam Mendes? Uh, he won. He won Golden Globe for Best Director for 1917 just recently. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, was awarded a Tony also this last year for The Ferryman, which he's uh, directing on stage. And recently he was knighted, which is crazy. 
by the Queen. So he's Sir Sam Mendes now. They didn't hit their quota, so they pulled Sam Mendes aside and said, hey, do you want to be a knight? Talk about the DP really quick. DP means director of photography. And or cinematographer. Cinematographer, sometimes. yes. Same, similar. Sometimes cinematographer can mean something different from oh, director yeah? of photography. That's cool. Sometimes. I didn't know that. Director of photography, I think, is the title, and cinematography is like... That's that's the craft? Yeah. That's the craft. That's what he does. Um, and then, uh, so D- Roger Deakins. Yeah, you know a lot about Deakins. A little bit. I know he's probably... I mean, he's definitely one of the greatest cinematographers of all time. I think people in the industry would agree that he is one of the greatest, if not the most influential. I think everyone looks at Deacons with reverence and they try to either emulate him or, you know, pay homage to him in some way. Because there's really nothing like a movie shot by Roger Deakins. And 1917 is a good example of why that is. There's several sequences in the movie where you're just blown away by what's happening on the screen. Really good composition. The yeah. framing is yeah. always pretty, every, much, pretty much on point. Every aspect. The framing, um, the blocking. Let me tell you a couple films that Roger Deakins has DP'd. Sicario Prisoners for... Denis. Veyenu. Uh No Country... A lot of the Coen Brothers films, Big Lebowski, Fargo, A Brother Where Art Thou, True Grit. Uh, he did The Village for Shyamalan, which is probably why I like that movie more than, pretty more movie. than I should. Um, it wasn't as bad. It, uh, no. it, it gets a bad rap sometimes. Shawshank, Redemption, which is huge. Yeah. Considered one of the best films of all time. And that was Frank Darabont, right? You don't often think of that movie as being one of the most beautiful movies ever shot, though. Usually, the the was, story I think is what takes. It is the story, but it was it was also shot extremely well. Yeah, it was. Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. That's a pretty movie. That is a beautiful movie. In fact, if nothing else about that movie, take away all the substance because it's mostly gone anyway. It's just a beautiful film to watch. That was basically a Terrence Malik movie. You could Malik Malik. You could Malik. <laughs> <laughs> Malik, <laughs> you can dare a Malik. My b- <laughs> okay, I was gonna say you could watch that movie silent. On on, it's pretty long too. I have I know I saw it in the theater with oh, my wow. brother. I wish I could have been there. Um, you weren't born yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a zoomer. I'm not as young as I look. And then most recently, he won finally best cinematography at the Academy Awards for Blade Runner. Uh, yeah. 2049, which was, I mean, that was his first. Is that right? That was his first win. It wasn't his, I don't think yeah, it was yeah, his yeah. first nom. But his first actual win. When he should have been, he should have won for many times. so many other things. Yeah. Um, but and Blade Runner was a good way to go down in history because that movie didn't get enough. It did not get enough. Money. And that was actually my favorite film of the, that year. I think it was 2017. It might be my favorite of all time, but that favorite, maybe. Your favorite movie of all time? I think legitimately. Whoa. There's a little... You heard it here f- yeah. first or I mean, second, folks. Think about it. Just think about it. <laughs> it's the perfect movie. It's a great film. It was definitely my favorite film of that year. Yeah. Uh, I was I was extremely sad to not even see that it was uh, not even nominated. For Best Picture? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no love, how no could respect. you not nominate that movie? I don't know. I don't have a lot of hope for the Academy and, and well, the same reason Dune either because of that same reason. It might. It could be the exact same story. Critically acclaimed and a box office disaster and i hope not it's taking the star wars slot i think it'll it'll do well of december yeah 
It's oh. coming out this Christmas. 2020? December? This year. Is, um... Might be November. Kyle McLaughlin back? No, he's not back. I'm sorry. I don't he's think, not back? No. He's no. got to have a cameo. None of the Lynch gang is going to be in this movie, I'm pretty sure. Lynch is... I just, that Lynch was, a, that was a punch to the gut for those of you that were wondering what sound that I don't think it's that surprising, that though. Lynch's movie did not do very well in any regard. It's kind of a cult classic now. This is like going to be... So it's going to have no attachment to... No. It's going to be a complete re... Like vamping. Of yeah. Only the, drawing from the book. The book. No, no past gotcha. movie... Much like Watchmen. Yeah. Which was also drew from only the book and not the movie. Thank God. And that was very good. We we're going to do an episode on that, so we're going to put a pin in that right there. Yeah. Moving so, on. Let's talk about 1917. I loved this movie. My wife and I just went and saw it on my birthday a couple of days ago, and um, I was not... I, I'm not a huge fan of war films. Like, normally I'll walk out of war film and I'll be like, cool, I don't ever need to see that again. Yeah. Uh, just because, you know... Did you feel that way about Dunkirk? Was it pretty stressful? This, that's that's a tough question. It's an I, interesting I don't even comparison. want to answer it because I don't want to be judged by all of our hundreds of listeners. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I know I know that Dunkirk was revered and loved by many many people. And Christopher Nolan, just in general, seeing it on IMAX was a fantastic experience. Yeah, seeing it at home is a very different experience. 1917 apart from it being fantastic in the theater i think that seeing it at home it would it would feel very similar because of i mean as long as you have a decent um home system theater theater home box office home theater system with this good sound i don't have one yeah i know i've been trying to tell you to fix that i have the i go to the theater where the, you go to see movies yeah, yeah where you actually see the movies <laughs> normally i don't like War films. I hate war. It's bad. Uh, this film, not only was it a war film, but it immersed you into the motivation behind the characters and really, really made you feel something. It was an extremely emotional film. Yeah. And therefore, unlike any war film I've ever actually seen, Dunkirk wasn't really I... that way as much. Yeah, Dunkirk was is not an emo. I mean... it's It's more... Not in this way. It's very but I less think, emotional. I don't think that's Dunkirk is the obvious comparison. I think just because of recent history. But there are a lot. I think emotional. A lot of emotional war movies, like Saving Private Ryan, is the first one that I think of. Because war reveals the human condition, and it can show you hundred percent things that you wouldn't normally see in a person. Yes. And I think a lot of war movies will explore that. I think even Sam Mendes Mendez's Jarhead had a similar angle. I haven't seen the whole thing, but Jarhead was uh that was a tough one for me to get through. But a lot of even like mini series like Band of Brothers, The Pacific, people love those and those are really character dramas. 100%. This brings me to my really my next point that I was going to make is I think the reason it was so emotional was because of how it was shot. Yeah. And entirely. And that is I mean, we watched at a theater commenting on how emotional it was it wasn't it wasn't oh man that was crazy sweet to see all these explosions and fighting and blah 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 it was guns it, no it was it was wow we were really feeling something yeah. there and it's 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 hard to put your finger on that feeling it, do I you mean, think you would have felt differently walking out of the theater if it had been shot like a standard movie where there were just regular cuts 
yes you know, stuff like that yeah i really yeah. do i think i would have felt about this movie very very differently so it does say a lot about its technical achievement achievement yeah exactly. i agree i mean the premise is pretty basic and yeah. I think they've done stuff like that in the past. And you can gather this from the trailer. One of the two main characters' brothers is in another battalion, and they have to go essentially rescue them by warning them not to start an attack at dawn the next day. And it's the love for the brother of the character that causes these two guys to trek across no man's land and across all these fronts of the war in World War One. So it's not a very complicated premise. But like you said, the way they shot it, really immerses you into the drama of the characters. And I think that's the big thing to talk about for anyone who's talking about this movie is the the way it was shot and the one shot, or in this case, simulated one shot style of it. Because mm-hmm. I think there were, I read somewhere around 40 something cuts and they broke it up into smaller segments and they hid it behind terrain and stuff. So you can't really tell when it's cutting. It would be extremely interesting if it won for editing because of how little editing there must have been. But, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of sound editing al- alongside it, but um, which, I mean, it is nominated for sound editing. We should talk about what it's nominated for. Yeah. It's nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Let me list them very quickly. Best sound editing, like I just said. Best makeup and hairstyling, which... Wait, is that actually an award? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I forgot hairstyling was part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very... Part of best makeup. Very best, specific. Best... best uh, Best production design, best visual effects, best sound mixing, best cinematography, best original screenplay, best original music score, best director, and best picture. Like, looking at that list, I mean, I think it could be deserving of a lot of that. Of many. As far as the films that are nominated for best picture this year, um, because Lighthouse wasn't nominated. I'm sad. I'm just going to make, I'm going to say that every podcast. Sad. Uh, (laughs) All right. So, uh. From the features that were nominated for Best Picture, 1917 is the one that I would like to win, I think. I was thinking about it some more, and I think I think I mostly agree with you. <laughs> He's a huge Parasite fan. No, no, I agree. 1917 should win Best Picture, and Bong should win Best Director for Parasite. That was my, my final conclusion. Mm. Because of Best Picture being all-inclusive of everything going into a movie... And you get to see it a little bit more when you see like behind the scenes stuff for 1917. Everyone was going, you know, above and beyond for this movie. Just briefly, for example, they created miniatures for the sequence halfway through where we call it the flare sequence at night when Roger Deakins is just showing off how good he is at lighting, you know, sets. And they they created miniatures for almost the entire movie to uh, lay out what mm. this film would look like on a macro sense because it is a single, continuous, simulated one-shot mm-hmm. kind of movie. Mm-hmm. They had to so intricately plan out the path that these characters would take. So they created miniatures to map it all out. And then they even miniaturized the lighting effects that these things would have. So they put wires over the miniature for this wrecked town and they cast these little lights Mm. like the christmas lights over the miniature set Mm -hmm. and you would see the shadows play out in real time for the path of the flare that's it's very cool that's super cool uh but that's that's just one of the ways that i think everyone involved in this movie deserves credit so i think best picture uh should go to 1917 yeah when you're watching the film not only is it this amazing you know, feat of engineering and, and, and cinematography. But I'm I'm looking at the production design going, someone 
they've dug those trenches. Someone must have, yeah, dug this stuff up. They must have created the whole landscape and, and the, they had to get permission or to tear up like a hole to tear up the ground. Yeah. Cause they were, they were land, worried yeah. that they'd accidentally exhume bronze age, old, old bodies and different stuff. And you can't really do that. So they had to be very careful with where they were putting all this stuff. It was, it was unreal. The production design and, and I mean, if you could say sets, cause I don't think there, I mean, there are probably a few sets. Yeah. The, the set pieces, the places where the filming took place were so incredible. All of it. It's like, funny how unique and distinct the environments were mm-hmm. because, you know, obviously they weren't, it wasn't a continuous shot, literally. So they, they could move around. I don't know how, how far they traveled around the world to shoot these locations. I think it was mostly in England. Yeah. But these environments, even though in the movie they're only going a few miles across the Western Front, each scene, and there's at least like half a dozen unique environments in this movie. There's a house and there's the trenches and there's all this stuff, no man's land. They all are wonderful and different, and they have their own style and sometimes their own color palette and stuff like that. Their own character. Like, the environments have character, Mm. and it's cool to see that play through the story as well. Apart from the cinematography, the directing, I think, like you said, a nail on the head when you said the story is kind of a simple story, but the score, in the way that it worked with the imagery, was pretty fantastic. And a lot of the emotion for me watching the film came through. There's two two extremely memorable scenes for me. There there are more, but the way that the music and the cinematography work together, yeah, creates this experience. Uh, the flare scene that he was just discussing was one of those scenes that is extremely memorable. Um, he was saying he wanted to go back to see it just for that scene again. It's worth the ticket price. It's so good. And then the scene at the end. Yeah. When he decides he puts on his brave shorts and decides to do his thing. <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah. Those two scenes for me and the way that the music worked with those scenes kind of blew my mind from yeah. a, a filmmaking perspective. Um, Thomas Newman is great. He's the composer and he's worked right. with Sam a lot in the past. Yeah. His American Beauty score is something that I mm-hmm. go back to a lot just to listen to. American Beauty is a really, really good film. 20 years ago. That's a long time. Wild. Uh, so we were talking about the one take like at length and how impressive that is again. And one of the things they had to deal with the Roger Deakins was, I don't know if he's ever done something like this before was how most of the movie, at least the first half before you get into the nighttime sequences was shot with natural light. And so they'd have to shoot around that. They had to modify their daily schedules to just get the right setup with the sun and the clouds. And so I think what they were saying is they would have to wait for a little while while the sun was out and then the cloud would pass in front of the sun to get the perfect light Mm. for the look they wanted in the scene, probably especially for the no man's land stuff Mm -hmm. early on. Mm -hmm. And then they'd have to go, they'd have to go action and they'd have maybe a five, 10 minutes, certain amount of time to get their takes in. And so everything had to be so well rehearsed. And it's actually funny that you mentioned Sam Mendes up for the Tony award or that he won it stage. Yeah. Yeah. Because he has that theater background. Yeah. And he kept talking about in this video, how this movie drew a lot from his theater experience because of the way it was yep. one take and yep. these characters would go on sometimes for a while in a single take and they'd have to know where they were going and the whole team would have to follow them you know the cast and the crew would have to work together like a theater production they'd have to move through these environments with the lighting and all this stuff going on at the same time and there's not a lot of movies i can think of that are like that in mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. so just another reason to see it it's always fun to see a director that has a, a theater background take a film and how they arrange things and, and how the characters 
act and stuff. It's it's always yeah. super fun to watch. And I love the way you can build character just through not cutting. You mm-hmm. can just sit with the character through everything that's you, happening. You feel the whole journey, the perilous my, journey. One of my favorite movies of all time is Victoria. I think I've talked uh, to you a little yeah. bit about this before. I've seen it. Oh, you have seen it. We've talked about this. You watched it? Yeah, I've seen it. I don't it. know if you'd watched it last time we... I watched it before you even told me that It's you... the one take. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. And that, there's people like they, to throw they around. Filmed it two, they filmed it two or three times, I think. And yeah. From this, it goes from night to morning. Yeah. The shootout. That's the one. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything, people like to throw around the words immersive and experiential, but I don't think anything gets you there as quickly as just sitting on the characters and not breaking, you know, the view. You just let the scene breathe and let the characters live in mm-hmm. that scene. Mm-hmm. Victoria was an interesting movie. Parts of it are boring. Like parts of it for me, at least. Well, it's ninety-five percent improvisational. Oh, there was very, there was that. like no script, and they just had beats, like, uh, like bare this is, outline. This is what I'm supposed to do. And the characters would move according to the story beats. Right. So that's why it's it feels kind of boring that way. Sometimes things can get a little slow, because <laughs> life isn't always kinetic and fast. And so when movies like 1917 or anything have just little scenes where there's not even much going on, but you can observe the character and watch them live their life outside of those incredibly exciting moments, then it helps you become more attached to what you're watching. You've become a part of their lives almost. Even the subtle things, even the way that they breathe or lay against a tree or something is engaging in this film. In Victoria, in contrast, not everything the characters, maybe it was the actors that they chose, but... Yeah, they were on... They weren't... Yeah, not everything the characters did were super engaging. 1917 is a lot more intentional. Yeah, everything is intentional. Well, we Um, talked about how the theater aspect of it, I think they would rehearse it all. Sam Mendes would take Roger Deakins and the two main characters, and he would go out to the fields in pre-production just to kind of plan out what this whole thing would look like and mm-hmm. try to get their chemistry building and stuff like that just mm-hmm. to see if it would make sense on the screen. So it was very well rehearsed. Everything was intentional. These are people at the top of their game. And big shout out to the actors, because these are young actors, Dean Charles Chapman and George McKay. Mm-hmm. I don't know George, but he was incredible. And we've seen Dean in Game of Thrones. But he's come a long way even since then because he was young. And <laughs> We don't talk about Game of Thrones. Yeah, not anymore. Sad. How likely do you think it will be to win Best Picture? Best Picture? Mm-hmm. I give it a, a good 40% chance. 40%. And that... Is I'm only splitting it three ways, that percentage. I think it's going to be like 1917, Parasite, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think I've amended the deal since last time we recorded. I think I said it was Hollywood or Parasite. I think 1917 might actually be it as well. The more I think about it. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I, I loved that movie. It might be my favorite Quentin Tarantino film. I'm not sure. But it, it's definitely in my top two. And I was like, oh, I don't know if anything will beat this. And then I saw 1917, and my mind exploded. It'll win at least some of these awards. Yeah. But Best Picture is, I don't know. It could it could win half of those ten, right? You know? Yeah. Who knows? Well, I guess we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Outro? Outro. All right. Podcast over. Thanks for tuning in. To next time, we'll be talking about... 1918. 1918. The next year. <laughs> <laughs>